a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. It is Friday, September 30th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Lance Glenn. Before we start, I just want to remind everyone to like this video on YouTube and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening as a podcast, make sure to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. The Transfer Portal has been a huge benefit to a lot of programs, allowing teams to stay competitive year after year, even after losing talent to graduation and the NFL draft. One program that has taken advantage in a big way is Ole Miss. The Rebels, even after losing six to last year's NFL draft, including quarterback Matt Corral, are 4-0 and their offense is averaging over 40 points per game, led by a transfer at quarterback, former USC Trojan Jackson Dart. They have a big game coming up this Saturday, a top 15 SEC matchup at home against Kentucky. So joining me to discuss the Rebels' use of the portal and how it is paying off in big ways for Lane Kiffin's squad ahead of Saturday's matchup is 24-7 Sports' Chris Hummer and Clint Brewster and David Johnson of 24-7 Sports' Ole Miss site inside the Rebels. Com. So guys, the Rebels took 17 transfers in 2022. They had the number two class in the 24-7 sports team transfer portal rankings. David, I'll start with you since you're obviously around the program on a daily basis. I'm sure when Lane Kiffin was putting together the 2022 transfer class, there were hopes that the dividends would be as big as they have been for the Rebels this season. But was there any skepticism, any hesitation, or maybe some caution, obviously bringing in so many new faces that maybe it wouldn't work, you know, maybe they wouldn't gel, or maybe they just wouldn't fit in with the culture that the staff had been building still only a couple years into their tenure in Oxford. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, you hit on something there with the jail part. You've got all these key elements of your football team. They were wearing different colored uniforms last year all over the country. You know, how will they come in? How will they adapt to the culture that Kiffin and company have set up here in Oxford? That was a big question mark. And you look all over the field and there are transfers that are playing critical roles for Ole Miss this year. So far, so good. They they seem to have come together as, as a good unit, gelled with the returning guys, and uh, that hasn't seemed to be an issue at this point. So Clint, I do want to bring you in now. You obviously have the experience of being a transfer yourself. When you played college football, you transferred from Minnesota to Tennessee Tech. Can you kind of walk us through the process of adjusting to a new situation and acclimating yourself to a new team? You know, I'm sure there are some differences between now and then, but ultimately at the end of the day, you were someone new. You were meeting new teammates in a new place, just as all these Ole Miss transfers had to do this past offseason. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I think the big thing that you see is that every kid is going to a school that where they have a, a familiarity with maybe a coach, a staff member close to home, you know, something like that. They're, all these kids are going to a place where they have intimate knowledge of, of something in the program and, and vice versa with the, with the coaches that are taking them in. And uh, I, I think just the biggest thing is you have to really ingratiate yourself in the the team culture and you know the first impression is key you know coming in learning the playbook leading by example not trying to do things your way you know you have to go in and and um, really earn the respect of the of the players around you and and the players on the team and, and the coaching staff and you know I think that 
that that's the key. You know, I think that, you know, there are some players that, you know, go in and, and kind of have an ego or, or try to do things their way. And I think to have success, you really got to embrace the culture of that school and kind of the old Miss way to say. And, and um, I think that's how you have success, you know, transferring programs. And I do want to talk about some specific players. And Hummer, Jackson Dart was the highest rated transfer for the Rebels in 2022. Coming over from USC, battled Luke Altmaier this offseason. He won the job and is leading an Ole Miss offense that I mentioned before is averaging 41 points per game this season through the first four weeks. What stood out to you about Dart's play so far and how he's transitioned to a new program and a new offense this season? I mean, winning the job stood out to me. Luke Altmeyer had been in that system for a year. Luke Altmeyer was a four-star QB for us. Like he had the experience edge and Jackson eventually did beat him out. Jackson's been pretty solid this year. I think David would agree with that. Like he's had his ups and downs, like some interceptions he'd probably like to have back. But this offense is actually really built on the run. Like that's, that's been the key for Ole Miss this year with Zach Evans. But Jackson Dart's also shown the ability to run at times. I think he's averaging 6.9 yards per carry this year. I think Lane Kiffin has been very creative with Jackson to reel in some of maybe his more aggressive tendencies as a playmaker, something that really works in Jackson's favor, but can also be a bit of a headache at times. And Jackson's been really solid. Like Jackson's a guy I know Clint would agree with this because he rated him so high in the transfer portal rankings, has an extremely high ceiling, but is still learning how to play some elements of quarterback. And I think we're seeing some of those growing pains this year, but also some of the extremely high ceiling throws that um, he's capable of. Yeah. And David, would you say that Jackson Dart, based on what Ole Miss fans, the expectations they had for him coming in, would you say that he's been as advertised, a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse, you know, based on uh, some of the still young mistakes? Because he's only in his second year of college football. So it's not like he came in as a grad transfer. What has what have uh, fans been thinking of him so far through these first four games? I guess three games, since I know Luke Altmaier uh, started one of the first two. Well, obviously, being rated so high in the transfer portal, was pretty tough to live up to those expectations. When he got in here for spring ball, he really struggled. We saw in live action were interceptions, forced throws, and, uh, you know, his mechanics just didn't look right. And, I, you know, obviously he had probably not unpacked all of his bags from the move from L.A. to Oxford, but Luke Altmaier definitely uh, had the better spring. So, you know, everybody leaves spring thinking, oh my goodness, you know, what what's going on here? Tough quarterback battle all through fall camp. Dart ultimately wins the game. But I think right now, the thing to know about Ole Miss is, you know, Chris kind of pointed this out. They're not a team predicated on extremely good quarterback play. They are a run first team this year uh, with Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins and Ulysses Bentley in the backfield. They rank fourth in the nation in the run right now. They lead the SEC. This is a team that is going to beat you by running the ball first and passing really when they want to, not when they have to. I think that's kind of the plan moving forward. So really from Jackson Dart, as you know, and we forget he's just a sophomore. He's just in his second year of college right now. You know, you've got to give him time to mature. You know, and there are a lot of comparisons to him and Matt Corral and what Matt Corral looked like in the 2020 season when he threw six interceptions at Arkansas and things of that nature. Lane knows what he's doing in terms of developing a quarterback. Obviously, he sees something in Jackson that he thinks he can get him over the hump, whatever that perceived hump might be, whether it's this eight-game SEC stretch or even if it's having a solid quarterback ready to go next season. But, you know, I think Ole Miss fans realize that now that this is a running team. 
you're not going to hand it to your quarterback like you did with Matt Corral at Tennessee last year and say, go win me a game. You know, you're going to have to do it with other elements. But those elements are in place. And Jackson Dart is more than capable, I think, of managing this offense. And Clint, obviously you being a quarterback and like I said before, being a transfer as well when you played college football, is there, I guess, more pressure on a new quarterback uh, just solely based on the position that they play? Are there extra adjustments or extra acclimations that a quarterback has to make simply because, you know, they are the field general, they're the leader uh, of the 11 men on offense, you know, is there more to that solely because of the position? Yeah, and I think you just got to really kind of adapt to the way that that uh, Lane Kiffin does things on offense. You know, it's he does a lot of a lot of different things on on offense at the quarterback kind of has to learn and has to get his his feet wet and, and um, you know, get his accuracy, timing, you know, rhythm, anticipation all on the same page with the receivers. You know, I just I think that there was a lot with the acclimation and and um you know, the learning that that Dart had to come in and do for for Ole Miss, you know, like David said, there's a lot of new faces there. And, and um, you know, it takes time to gel and get your footwork on the on the same page and and just kind of do everything that Lane Kiffin wants you to do as a, as a quarterback. You know, it's going to be different than a little bit different than what they did at at USC. So um, you know, it takes time to to click. And and uh, you know, we've seen the that explosive plays by by Dart, but um, you know, you still see that uh, developmental upside. You know that that we we're talking about. And um, like like David said that. Ole Miss hadn't had to throw the football that much, so he's he's not having to throw a ton in games. So you know it'll it'll be interesting to see how he does this this weekend against a, a really good opponent in uh, in Kentucky. We'll talk more Ole Miss and their use of the transfer portal right after this. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Clint, I'll stick with you. Another one, another transfer that you guys have all mentioned uh, that's also stood out and made an impact in the backfield for the Rebels is Zach Evans. You know, he's a form, he's, he forms, excuse me, quite the duo with Kinshawn Judkins. What stood out to you about Evans? You know, how he's worked in that backfield and how he's transitioned from TCU to Ole Miss. Yeah, he's he's a uh, he's a really dynamic back. He can run inside, outside. He can catch the, the the football, but it's pretty remarkable to me his contact balance, how tough he is between the tackles, getting outside, breaking breaking tackles. You know, his, his contact balance is just what really stands out to me. How shifty he is. You know, he's not a a huge back, but he has the strength 
in tackling, uh, tackle breaking ability of, of like a 230 pound back. You know, he's just, he's extremely tough. You know, it's kind of surprising that he's the second leading rusher on the team behind Judkins, but Judkins has been uh, amazing for them. And, and, uh, you know, Ulysses Bentley, like, like we mentioned and, and, um, but I'm, I'm really, surprised by by Zach Evans and just how he's lived up to the hype you know I, I think we all saw what he could do at TCU and and he's being uh he's he's being incredible I think and Hummer you know you followed the Evans recruitment pretty closely and you know obviously about Evans at TCU uh, you obviously a Texas guy how much do you think the emergence of Kinshawn Judkins uh, alongside Zach Evans kind of helps play into Zach Evans' favor and helps make him a better overall back, knowing that not all the pressure's on him, not all eyes are on him, that he has this kind of one-two punch with Judkins, and they can kind of really work off of each other and, and really complement each other? Yeah, I've known Zach a long time. I don't I don't think he minds being a part of a two- or three-headed backfield. I even remember him in high school telling me that it's a benefit to be in a room where multiple people can touch the ball because you don't get as much mileage on your legs with an eye towards the NFL. And Zach was in a two- or three-running back system at TCU. I think he probably would have liked more touches than he had there last year. I think he finished the season with 80 carries. He's on pace to be well above that this year. But with Zach working in tandem with Judkins, I think it's a benefit to them both. I think they're both averaging over six and a half yards per carry. That's about as efficient as you're going to get on the power five level from a running back perspective. And Zach, I know Clint mentioned contact balance, but the thing that's always wowed me about Zach is his ability to break plays off, like just something out of nothing a lot of the times. I think he's had carries of over 15 yards in every game this season. He's a game changer at that position. There are going to be some short runs. Like he is a smaller back. So certainly having multiple people in the backfield benefits him from that perspective. But Zach is the type of person who can change the game in an instant. And I think we've seen flashes of that so far for him at Ole Miss. So David, 17 transfers in a class is a big number. No one's saying that will be the case on a yearly basis, but do you foresee four Ole Miss big transfer classes down the road? And and do you think that formula is sustainable? Because I think that's still something pretty widely debated, right? You know, can programs remain competitive going transfer heavy? It's it's worked so far for Ole Miss in 2022. They're 4-0. But do you think it's something that Lane Kiffin and his staff will continue to do? And do you think they can make it work? Well, I think it's all about roster management. And as we all know, Lane Kiffin lives in the moment. And, and it depends on, 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 I think on a yearly basis, what they need and where they need it at. You know, this year, I think they're going to end up signing 15, 16, maybe 17 high school players right now. They're in on some really big names. Dante Dowdle, the running back from Picayune, Braxton Myers, the former USC safety commit, uh, Jamel Johnson committed to Texas coming in this weekend for an official visit. If they can get the right high school guys, I think they get them. Uh, but there will always be room for portal acquirements. And, uh, you know, I would expect them to go and find an offensive lineman. They're going to go look for defensive linemen in this next class uh, because you can never have enough defensive linemen in the SEC. You've got to stack those guys. And then wherever key positions are, I think Zach Evans is probably going to the NFL and going to leave Ole Miss after this season, which, by the way, he may not play against Kentucky. Zach is banged up right now, so just want to throw that out there. Lane doesn't really get into the injury situation, but 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 we know he's banged up, and uh, you may not see him Saturday. So it may be the Quinshawn Judkins show in totality. But anyway, uh, 
I think it's just what the moment calls for. And here we are, we're at the end of September, and really you just don't know. Will Jeremy James, the offensive tackle, declare for the draft, or will he come back for another year? I think all those things factor in to what Lane is going to do in the portal, and I don't think he can really answer that till probably December or so. Yeah, Hummer, I'll give you the last word. You know, has Ole Miss, obviously, with their 2022 class, taking transfers in 2021 and 2020 as well. Have the Rebels established themselves, being number two in the transfer portal team rankings last year, too? Have they established themselves as transfer you? You know, especially with the uh, the impacts these guys are making, or are they in for a battle for that prestigious title, I guess, with others? Maybe USC, LSU kind of throw in the mix as well. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd, I don't even know who I'd give the belt to at this point, but they'd probably be on the Mount Rushmore, right? Like, just with the way they've used... The transfer portal. I think I counted for last week. I think Ole Miss started nine or 10 players that were transfers at one point, including even a guy like Otis Reese who transferred. Now it feels like a decade ago, but it was really just three years ago. So Ole Miss has used the portal as effectively as anybody. I don't think Ole Miss is as flashy with it as some other programs. I think USC with its superstars like Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison get more acclaim. But I think when you want to discuss programs that have really built the foundation of their program or helped like help patch a lot of holes in their program and be Ole Miss. I think we didn't talk about it today, but Ole Miss's defense ranks 11th nationally in yards allowed per play. That had been a struggle for the program for years. And that defense is really fortified by impact transfers across the board, secondary linebackers like Troy Brown, like on the defensive line as well. Like their impact to transfer pieces across the board there. And I think Ole Miss has addressed deficiencies through there in a way few programs have. I think Ole Miss is very similar to maybe like a UCLA where they're starting nearly double-digit transfers, and they're all making a difference. That's a credit to Ole Miss in the way they've evaluated it. It's a credit to Ole Miss in the creative way they've gone about using the portal. I think there's a roster-building strategy that is portal-forward, and we've seen Ole Miss embrace that. So from that perspective, I, I think David and Clint would probably agree with me. I certainly think that Ole Miss is one of the best users of the transfer portal in college football. Yeah, absolutely. And a big weekend upcoming for Ole Miss. Their transfers will be on full display as they host Kentucky for a top 15 matchup. David Johnson of InsideTheRebels.com, Clint Brewster, and Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports. I appreciate you all for giving me some time today. Remember to like this video and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. And give the College Football Daily a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. For our guests, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks for listening and enjoy week five of the college football season.